This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee on day 25 of the 60-day legislative session. If you're still waiting for COVID shots, get ready. The governor has a plan to drop the age limits and open things up for anyone 18 and up. Florida is pleased to announce that all adults in the state, age 18 and older, will be eligible for the vaccine beginning Monday, April 5th. The state reported almost 5,800 new cases of COVID Thursday, 109 more fatalities. The Senate votes to close that loophole that allows you to avoid the sales tax when you buy from companies out of state. This bill is all about fairness, fairness to Florida's businesses as they try to compete against foreign and out-of-state uh, retailers and that are giving them a competitive advantage. It doesn't take a rocket science look that, to drive down Main Street or look inside your malls and see what's happened as a result of the unfairness that takes place right now. The House of Representatives begins debating the bill to crack down on protests. Supporters say it's about law and order. Opponents say it violates your rights to free speech and public assembly. Do you think that black and brown communities will be impacted by this bill? Uh, no, I think that this, this bill is targeted towards rioters. This bill specifically targets the wrongdoers, the agitators. It doesn't matter where on the political spectrum these individuals are. It could be the radical fringe group, the Boogaloo Boys, or the Proud Boys, or Antifa. The bottom line is that this addresses specific wrongdoers. The Combating Public Disorder Bill is up for a final vote today. So is the bill that provides businesses with immunity from COVID liability lawsuits. The Rules Committee in the Senate approves a property insurance bill, but even supporters admit it will not lower your premiums. Even if Senator Boyd's bill passes, it's going to take a year to 18 months, maybe 24 months, for that impact of that bill to kick in. In the meantime, rates are going to go up 20 or 30 percent on your constituents. And without his bill passing, rates will likely double on your constituents in the next two or three years. A warning for Florida man, the Rules Committee has also approved a bill increasing the penalty for having sex with animals. The bill also increases penalties for bestiality from a misdemeanor to a felony in line with 22 other states around the country preventing individuals who sexually assault animals from obtaining employment in positions where they would be caring or for wor working with children. We'll also have the story of a Florida man who ran afoul of the law because of a long-standing feud with ducks and geese, and we'll get a lesson on kissing butt in the state capitol. Senator Farmer. Just very quickly, uh, it, I don't know if there's a Kleenex over there. Senator, you've got something brown on your nose. Take care of that later. But first, a word from the sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. This public health crisis has shown our one-size-fits-all education system does not meet the needs of every child. Senate Bill 48 rethinks education and provides needed flexibility for students and families, giving students the tools and resources they need to unleash their potential. You can make a difference and improve our education system by visiting fledreform.com to tell your lawmaker to support SB 48. Paid for by Americans Prosperity, Florida. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, March 26th. This is National Nougat Day, National Spinach Day, and Make Up Your Own Holiday Day. And no, I did not make that up. On this date in 1937, spinach growers in Crystal City, Texas, erected a statue of Popeye. In 1953, Dr. Jonas Salk announced he'd successfully tested a vaccine to prevent polio. And in 2018, porn star Stormy Daniels told CBS 60 Minutes she had an affair with Donald Trump and was later threatened and paid to keep quiet. 
There's been a major change in Florida's vaccination program, or there will be as of Monday. Governor Ron DeSantis dropped a video on YouTube Thursday announcing the age limits are about to be lifted. While the Biden administration set a May 1st target date for vaccine eligibility for all adults, Florida is pleased to announce that all adults in the state, age 18 and older, will be eligible for the vaccine beginning Monday, April 5th. And this coming Monday, March 29th, the age of eligibility for the vaccine will be reduced from 50 to 40. We've now vaccinated over 70% of the roughly 4.4 million seniors living in the state. We've also made great progress on those age 60 to 64 and on those age 50 and older. And we're ready to take this step. If you look at the hospitalization and case rates for senior citizens, they have plummeted since the start of our Seniors First strategy. And we wanna keep up that momentum as we expand eligibility to other age groups throughout the state of Florida. We've made great progress and I look forward to continuing to work hard to make sure everyone in Florida who wants a shot can get a shot. No mandate, but access for all. The state health department reported 5,773 new cases of COVID-19 Thursday and 109 additional fatalities. Our death toll has reached 33,589. The Florida Senate votes to eliminate one of the last tax loopholes for consumers and use the new money to give businesses a tax break. The bill by Senator Joe Gruters of Sarasota requires out-of-state businesses to collect the Florida sales tax when you buy something online. This bill is all about fairness, fairness to Florida's businesses as they try to compete against foreign and out-of-state uh, retailers and that are giving them a competitive advantage. It doesn't take a rocket science look that, to drive down Main Street or look inside your malls and see what's happened as a result of the unfairness that takes place right now. This bill is also about fairness to the consumer. Uh, right now there's a tax that's owed that some consumers aren't paying. And what this bill basically does is it changes the timing of the collection of this tax. It goes from, uh, we, we're making it at the point of sale, rather than having individuals go out there and file it by themselves through the Department of Revenue website, which if any, I know all of you guys do it probably on a monthly basis. It's very difficult to do, and it's time consuming, and as a result, the compliance uh, is not always uh, at 100%. And finally, it's about fairness for the state of Florida, as we're leaving all these dollars by not having the compliance on the table, no one seems to have a problem with closing that tax loophole, but Democrats don't like the way they're spending the windfall. Gruder says it will go to the Unemployment Compensation Trust Fund, which is actually financed by taxes on employers. Beginning this year, approximately $1 billion of the uncollected sales tax from the out-of-state retailers and foreign retailers will be collected and deposited into Florida's Unemployment Compensation Trust Fund annually until the trust fund is replenished to pre-pandemic levels. In other words, $4 billion bucks will be taken out of the pockets of consumers over the next few years to provide a tax break for business. Gruder says there is something for unemployed workers, too, a $100 increase in weekly benefits. But that's actually in a different bill, and Senate Republicans rejected an amendment to include that provision in the sales tax bill. The governor's anti-protest bill is up for a final vote today in the Florida House of Representatives. House Bill 1 is sponsored by Representative Juan Alfonso Fernandez-Barquin of Miami-Dade. HB 1 enhances protections for the public, private property, and for law enforcement. Creates an appellate process if there is a reduction in the operating budget of a municipal police department. Removes sovereign immunity caps for municipalities who fail to sufficiently protect their residents during a riot. It enhances penalties for several crimes 
and also places several crimes in the context of a riot, including assault, battery, burglary, grand theft, battery on a law enforcement officer. And also creates crimes like criminal mischief of a memorial, destroying a memorial, cyber intimidation, mob intimidation, aggravated rioting, and aggravated inciting a riot. And also creates a civil affirmative defense for anyone who tries to defend themselves against a rioter. That last provision was especially troubling for Representative Fentrice Driscoll of Tampa. She says it gives people a free pass to drive through protesters if they claim they felt threatened by people outside their car. It happened right here in Tallahassee during protesters last summer where you had someone drive through the street and run over protesters. This happened in Charlottesville where you had people protesting, you had counter protesters come and agitate the crowd and you had a, a vehicle drive through, strike protesters and kill a woman. This is the type of behavior that is condoned by Section 18 of this bill. Orlando Representative Anna Eskimani says House Bill 1 could also result in charges against people who engage in civil disobedience, a favorite tactic of nonviolent demonstrators for generations. Civil disobedience is as American as apple pie, and it's so critically important that we not misconstrue what's in this bill in directly incarcerating those engaging in civil disobedience. So many of the rights that we can honor and fight for today were not granted to us. We had to fight for them. Even thinking about the women, women's suffrage movement and the right to vote, it was women protesting a wartime president going through hunger strikes that led to the right for women to vote. And even then, members, black women, were unable to vote. And so we have to protect this act of civil disobedience. And I am concerned that with peaceful protesting not defined, that if we don't include the act of civil disobedience, that that could also be misconstrued as mom intimidation and create a scenario where we're wrongfully incarcerating people who are just challenging government in a peaceful, nonviolent way to create a better society for all. The House spent a couple of hours discussing the bill, rejecting every amendment offered by Democrats. It's up for a vote this morning. The House will also vote on Senate Bill 72. That's the one to protect businesses from COVID liability lawsuits. It should be on its way to the governor by the end of the day. A bill making major changes in Florida property insurance law has cleared the Rules Committee and is ready for a vote on the Senate floor. Senator Jim Boyd of Bradenton says his bill would put new limits on lawsuits and reduce coverage for roof repairs. The rising cost of property insurance in the state of Florida, this bill aims to provide fair and reasonable guidelines for both the insurer and the insured during the claims process. The cost to consumers has gone up 30, 40, 50% on their homeowners insurance coverages over the past couple of years. I use this example because it was real to me. Last two weeks ago when I got home in my mail, my insurance uh, coverage for the new year was going up 40% on, on my insurance, homeowner's insurance policy. These reforms to property insurance claims seek to reduce the fraudulent claims by some bad actors. Just to put it in context, in 2013, there were 27,413 property insurance lawsuits. Fast forward to 2020, and there were roughly 85,000 lawsuits relative to property insurance claims. Property insurance rates are rising, along with an extraordinary number of roofing claims in Florida. To mitigate these rising premiums, Senate Bill seeks to update policies to prevent the abuse of claims by predatory actors. Boyd says you only have to look at all the lawsuits filed against state-run citizens' property insurance to realize there's a problem. But Senator Gary Farmer Broward says, whose fault is that? And I'm sorry to tell you this, but citizens' property insurance company is probably the worst company out there 
when it comes to paying meritorious claims. So yeah, we've got an increase in litigation because they're not paying what they owe. Period. I, I know uh, Chair Boyd, he's, he's, he's an insurance expert. I know you come at this with a, with, a, with a good heart and honest intention. But this goes too far, and it's going to unbalance this playing field in a really bad way for consumers. Farmer tried to derail the insurance bill, but his amendments were rejected. Senator Jeff Brandis of St. Petersburg admits premiums will increase even if they pass the bill, but he says they'll go up even more if they don't. The reality is the marketplace in Florida is shutting down. The industry as a whole lost over $1.5 billion. And this is the third or fourth year of consecutive losses. What we are seeing is a wholesale withdrawal from the Florida marketplace of major companies. And our discussion about getting other companies like State Farms, the Allstates, the Progressives, the other major writers, the farmers, they're never coming into the state of Florida unless we make significant changes to this marketplace. We are in crisis mode. And even if Senator Boyd's bill passes, it's going to take a year to 18 months, maybe 24 months, for that impact of that bill to kick in. In the meantime, rates are going to go up 20 or 30 percent on your constituents. And without his bill passing, rates will likely double on your constituents in the next two or three years. And what we're seeing is there's a race going on in Florida right now. Can I raise my rates fast enough to keep up with the excess litigation that's going on in the state? If my colleagues want to know what's driving the problem, it's that there's an incentive to litigate. There is a small group of Floridians that are getting all brand new roofs, and you and I are paying for them. And every year that we don't address this problem, our rates are going to continue to go up. Insurance is the Achilles heel of the real estate market in Florida. And insurance that is unaffordable is going to begin to affect the entire state in ways that we can't imagine. This is a state built on growth. We're growing at 800 people a day. And when that shuts down and when the real estate market shuts down in your community, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth if people can't leave their homes and then also can't afford to stay in their homes. That's what we're going to see if rates continue to rise. And if we do nothing, the House is working on its own insurance plan, but it does not contain those limits on roofing repairs that are a key provision in the Senate bill. Bad news if you're one of those people who really loves your pet and not in a good way. A bill making bestiality a felony has been approved by the Rules Committee and is ready for the Senate floor. The increased penalties for having sex with animals is part of Senator Lauren Book's bill designed to protect children from abuse. When I filed this bill, which contains provisions to address the well-documented correlation between animal abuse and child abuse, which often co-occur under the same roof by the same perpetrator, I had no idea how close it would hit to home. This month, an Aventura, a veterinarian, was arrested and charged with possession of child pornography and sexual abuse of dogs. Authorities have also uncovered chats in which the vet admits to sexually abusing a young teen boy and possibly another child who he played wrestle with. This shocking case reinforces the fact that the sexual abuse of animals is the number one predictor for the sexual abuse of children, which is why Senate Bill 96 will create a new section of Florida statutes requiring animal control officers who suspect child abuse to make a report to the Department of Children and Families, and conversely, for child abuse investigators to report suspected animal abuse to animal control. The bill also increases penalties for bestiality from a misdemeanor to a felony in line with 22 other states around the country, preventing individuals who sexually assault animals from obtaining employment in positions where they would be caring or for wor working with children. 
This is just one of several bills filed by Senator Book this year that deal with the creepy side of the Sunshine State. Something new today, let's call this the Sunrise Guide to Kissing Butt in the Florida Legislature. Our contestants are Senator Danny Burgess, Senate Rules Committee Chairman Kathleen Pasadomo, and Senate Democratic Leader Gary Farmer. Take it away, Danny. Thank you, Madam Chair and Senators. Good to be back before the Rules Committee. A little history lesson in 2019, a very distinguished colleague of ours who happens to be sitting right in front of me and running this awesome committee passed a very substantial, what was it, 600 pages of business law organization changes and modifications, which was quite the lift. I think it was SB 892 back then. And it was a complete modernization of the Florida Business Corporations Act. We're looking to further improve and modify and build on from leader Chair Pasadomo uh, this year. Actually, I have a question. So are you saying that I made some mistakes when we did the bill and this is a glitch bill? <laughs> it, was, it was because of the work that in, in the path that you paved that we could be here today to further build upon the awesomeness that was SB 892. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Any debate on the bill? Senator Farmer. Just very quickly, uh, it, I don't know if there's a Kleenex over there. Senator, you've got something brown on your nose. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> Terrible. Take care of that later. Hate to admit it, but I live for that sort of thing. And you have to listen to a lot of nonsense to find the occasional gem. So thank you, Senators. Back in the days of Prohibition, more than a million women joined the campaign to repeal the 18th Amendment. The Women's Organization for National Prohibition Reform was instrumental in repealing it and bringing back the brewskis. Today, there is a new group in Florida that wants to do the same to the state's marijuana laws. Mariah Barnhart of Tampa is a co-founder of WISE, the Women's Initiative for a Safe and Equitable Florida. A nonpartisan organization dedicated to building support for sensible cannabis policy reform in Florida through education, outreach, and advocacy. Founded by a small group of working moms from around the state, uh, like the women who rallied in support of repealing alcohol prohibition nearly a century ago, we started this initiative out of concern for our own children, families, and communities. And while Wise Florida was founded by women, it's open to everyone. We welcome all participation from anyone who agrees that cannabis prohibition must be repealed and replaced with a more sensible policy. Uh, cannabis prohibition is the product of decades of stigma and misinformation. We're here to set the record straight and foster honest public dialogue about cannabis, the harm that's been caused by prohibition, and the efficacy of regulation. Barnhart says she got involved in the medical marijuana movement after her two-year-old daughter was diagnosed with brain cancer. Another founder is Yvette Gonzalez-Petkovich, a Miami attorney who specializes in criminal defense and cannabis cases. This movement and prohibition is really motivated by how many people have been held back and held down both personally and professionally because of really unsound marijuana policies. Um, before I opened my own practice uh, 11 years ago, I was a prosecutor for five years. And so I really have had the opportunity to see on both sides of the aisle how these policies impact people's lives. Sometimes it's only for a month or a year and other times it's for a lifetime. None of this makes sense, definitely from a criminal justice perspective, but also from a lot of other perspectives. While most Floridians do recognize that um, legalization sh uh, should occur and support it, not everybody is there yet. And my hope is that through our stories and through our experiences, people can begin to understand why mothers who are working moms, who um, are involved in their communities, who love their communities, would put themselves out there and explain and, and uh, educate 
about these policies and why they need to be reformed. Sally Kent Peebles is a Jacksonville-based attorney who specializes in cannabis law. She's also a co-founder of WISE. When cannabis businesses are licensed, they're required to comply with very strict health, safety, and security regulations. They're required to test their products for contaminants. And critically, they're required to ID their customers, keeping product out of the hands of minors. In contrast, Florida's current cannabis prohibition laws has driven cannabis sales and production underground into a hazardous market controlled by criminals. Product is untested, untested, customers don't know what they're getting, and criminal dealers are certainly not checking IDs. Legalizing and regulating cannabis for adult use would bring the cultivation and sales above board, ultimately improving safety for consumers and for the broader community. When it comes to protecting public health and safety, cannabis prohibition is the worst possible model. State Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed has also signed on with a wise campaign and says marijuana legalization will be an issue next year if she decides to run for governor. Next up, your calendar of events and the story of a Florida man who opened fire after an argument about feeding fowl. In Florida, if you fall behind on court debt payments, the state takes away your driver's license. But if you can't drive, you can't work. So how can you make enough money to pay the debt? This policy makes no sense. Let's end debt-based license suspensions and help Florida get back to work. Time now for your Sunrise Calendar. The Revenue Estimating Conference meets at 8.30. The Board of Optometry and the Board of Acupuncture hold conference calls at 9. The House holds a floor session at 9.15. The Department of Economic Opportunity releases the February unemployment numbers at 10. And March for Our Lives Florida, along with other groups, are holding a drive-in rally at Orlando's Tinker Field at 6 tonight to oppose House Bill 1. They claim it will have a chilling effect on peaceful protests and violate free speech. Finally today, a Florida man is accused of shooting a friend after an argument about ducks and geese. The State Wildlife Commission says 83-year-old Victor Esquera got into a scuffle with Jose Gambaruda, who was sitting on his own porch, and ended up shooting his buddy because he was upset the guy was feeding the critters. Gambaruda captured the whole thing on his phone, which led to Esquera's arrest on a charge of attempted murder. Florida man's daughter says the shooting occurred because of a long-running rivalry between her father and the local ducks and geese. That's it for Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.